podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brianna. Guess who's back? back. (laughs) Guess who's back? Wait, what's that song? Guess who's back? Back again. Yeah, that song. Uh, Brie is back. Oh, I thought we were still going. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I've been sliced and diced this week. There's no, (laughs) there's no fun coming from me. Okay. Oh, okay. So. Well, how are you, Brie? We haven't. She's lying. There is fun. There is fun. Uh, I was going to say, no, I did not get sliced and diced. I, of course, lied about that. Oh. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. How are you, Brie? I don't think we've talked in a while. Yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long time. I am, oh my gosh, I don't know how y'all do it. Y'all are freaking Wonder Women doing this podcast, working a full-time job. I mean, I wanted to come back so bad and I really appreciate y'all be y'all letting me guest star today. I'm super excited for everything, um, for both of the stories today. Um, right now I'm just trying to, I guess, get my life together. Ain't we all right? Yeah. I, I don't know anyone <laughs> that has their life together. No, I don't either. Yeah. They're not invited to this club. Oh, you yeah. know what? I do know one being that has her life together and her name is Maisie. And that's because her life is real easy. Oh, yeah. Simba probably has his life together, too. Yeah. 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 No, dogs don't. No. Um, only Maisie <laughs> Not does. even going to give it to him. Mm-mm. No, the big ones don't. That's why the, one of the big ones has a cone on. It's because he does not have his shit together at all. He keeps licking his paws. Yeah. We'll see. That's why I said Simba probably does. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, he demands cuddles like every other hour. So he's a... I think he's struggling a bit. Maisie was not thrilled with me yesterday or the day before or the day before because we we pawned her off on my mother and father for a couple days after the surgery because I did not want her jumping on me. She's pissed. Uh, so what she's been doing is testing boundaries because uh, she doesn't quite know that there's pain. And mm-hmm. so today she was chewing on her bone and I noticed she would just kind of scoot a little closer to me and then just scoot a little closer and then there came a point where her entire nose was just shoved into my side and she's just making <laughs> eye contact with me like, what you going to do about it? It was the side that she could because it was, it doesn't have the two incisions on top of each other. But it, I was like, you little shit. You she's know what you're doing. She's a feisty bitch. Mm-hmm. She's a bitch. She's fun though. <laughs> spicy. She like is. Anyway. perfect for you then. Oh you yeah. You know what they say, dogs resemble their owners. Oh, to a T with her. But okay, wait, hold on. Change of subject. Back to Brie. How is the full-time job? It's going pretty well. Um, I am marketing specialist at a garden center. Um, I like it a lot. My boss expects a lot of me. Um, and of course, you know, being a people pleaser, I just do it. But it requires me to work like a lot more than 40 hours. 40 hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it. It's a full time job. Yeah. That sounds like a big girl job, though. Like, mm-hmm. like you're a whole adult. You're a marketing specialist. I mean, I'm trying. I actually have my six month. Uh, I'm, I'm the only person on the marketing team and I do everything like. So wait, so you are the marketing team. Yeah. You're not a marketing specialist. You're the market. You're just marketing. That's you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I am, I actually have my like six month review coming up. Let's see. So I'm working at my job. 
Uh, Simba's doing well. He is as needy as ever. Um, Jack is also doing well. He we he's just, as needy as ever. He's <laughs> as needy as ever. Um, no, we we just went to um, Arkansas to visit his family for Christmas, and so that was really fun. Um, we I celebrated Christmas Eve with my parents like it was Christmas Day, and then Jack paid for a. It was his like big christmas present he paid for a plane ticket for me to go on christmas eve to um arkansas to visit his family and be there on christmas day luckily we did not have southwest airlines because if we did i would be all the way in alaska so oh boy yeah that would have been a story to tell for sure oh my gosh yeah tell me about it i'm sure many 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 people have that story to tell so I mean, it might be a fun story. I'd be okay getting lost somewhere. Maybe not Alaska. That'd be too cold. Christmas Eve. I'd get lost in Alaska. That sounds wonderful. Not on Christmas Eve. I'd get lost yeah. in the Caribbean on Christmas Eve. That'd be fine. No, that's yeah, hot. True. True, true. Oh, but Amanda likes snow because she's mentally ill. Hey, I like snow too. I I've am mentally thriving. Christmas. Uh, snow is awful. Oh. And I say that from personal I experience. That's fine. Christmas can be white, but after Christmas, it's got to go. Okay, true, true. I don't like it going all the way into February now. It kind of sucks. Yep. See, that's all I'm saying is after Christmas, it's got to go. And it's been snowing like crazy here. So, all right. Any other updates, Bree? It's been so long. I'm sure our listeners have questions, curiosities, comments. Yeah. They thought yeah. we murdered you. I'm oh, just kidding. Okay. No, they didn't. <laughs> Well, they did, but I rose from the dead and haunted <laughs> like them a, until they allowed me to come back. For she's guess, like a so. phoenix. She rose from the ashes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Amanda, how are you then? Uh, I'm good. I've just been, you know, threatening my daughter a lot. She's she's doing this really cute thing. Like right now, she's getting into the bookshelf when she knows she's not supposed to be in the bookshelf because she eats my classics. Um. So I took all of her books off the bookshelf and put them onto her bookshelf. And she's still just, she's, um, I'm pretty sure she's chewing on, yeah, that's Pride and Prejudice. You know what? That gives you a really good excuse to go get a new fancy copy of Pride and Prejudice from Barnes Noble. Or order it online. But the, she, she's eating the one that's like really old and tattered. And I just love the, the aesthetic of it. So I don't know. But just, get a fancy one and tatter it up on your own. I don't want it. Thank you. No, she's offering me the shroud. I'm sorry. I thought this was exciting. I don't know about you, Brie, but I know Bryce will think it's exciting too. So she has started saying her third word. So she'll say bye-bye. She'll say mama. And she'll say daddy. Her f- That's not fourth word. Count. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Her okay. fourth word. She's saying book. Ooh, I like <laughs> oh, it. She's mm-hmm. going to be a little bookworm. It's, oh, it's girl. either a bookworm or she just knows that's what she wants to eat. <laughs> because she, true. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because both. She likes books and she also likes eating. So it's what's on her mind and it's what's on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as long as she knows, right? I just heard that little giggle. That was so cute. <laughs> that was Jack. <laughs> he thinks I'm funny. Oh, oh. thanks, Jack. <laughs> Um, Well, would you guys like to hear, Brie, I know you just barely found out that I had surgery the other day, but Amanda's been waiting anxiously for an update, I think. Are you ready, Amanda? Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First Mm -hmm. of all, 
it was my first surgery ever. So stressful. There was a lot of waiting. Can I just say I got real sick of waiting after waiting for three hours. Uh, but for the surgery, the whole point was to go in, get any endometriosis out, and then remove my left fallopian tube if it looked like it needed to be removed. Well, they went in, and from what I understand, they didn't find any endometriosis. They did, however, find a lot of scar tissue. And so basically what that was causing is because your uterus is considered like a floating organ or a moving organ. Because of all that scar tissue, my uterus is not able, was not able to move. So, the, I mean, there were parts of, there was scar tissue that connected my uterus to my colon. And so they went in, removed all of that, cleaned it up. I personally have not talked to the doctor. They did take my left fallopian tube. That's bye-bye. But my left fallopian tube went bye-bye. And I got to schedule a follow-up with my doctor. But I guess the doctor told my darling husband that there is a chance we won't have to do IVF because of all that scar tissue being removed. We might be successful with an IUI now, which is significantly cheaper. But I don't have a follow-up scheduled yet. And it's supposed to be scheduled in two weeks. So... Congratulations. That's crazy. So no, I'm so excited for you. We'll see. Um, I've already shown Amanda and Brie because she was here to see the the incisions, the nastiness. Uh, so that was fun. But overall, it was not terrible. I was definitely expecting to hurt a lot more. I haven't hurt too bad. So there's that. Are you taking a lot of pain medication and stuff for it? Uh, just ibuprofen and Tylenol. I've taken one tramadol at this point. And none of the oxys. Good for you. So it's not too terrible. You got a high pain tolerance, girl. It's also it was a pretty non-invasive insert or surgery, so it was all laparoscopic. But it was still surgery. I mean, it was. Yeah. But I mean, the doctor he even said that your before um, I went into surgery, he said your foundation for pain meds is going to be ibuprofen and Tylenol. That should be all you need, unless you have a low pain tolerance. And then the tramadol, the one that I took was because I was just achy and I wanted to sleep that night. So I took one to take the edge off. And then the oxycodone, I don't know which one it is. Um, I just haven't needed it. That's good. So, And now I sit around with an ice pack up my shirt and I jiggle it like it's supposed to be um, there. It's not supposed to be there, but it's fine. That's fine. It's fine. So that You'll get used to it and then... Oh, You're not sorry. taking any like major pain medicine. I think you can have an ice pack. Well, the ice pack's okay to be there, but I just mean like I jiggle it like it's a part of me. Yeah. It's not a part of me. No, yeah, it is I was now. gonna say you'll you'll get used to it and then you'll just wear it around, you know. <laughs> My coworkers are gonna be like, why are you jiggling your stomach? And I'll be like, Oh, it's just an ice pack. Don't worry about it. It's just an ice pack. So when you come by at three this afternoon and see me drinking from a straw from my abdomen, don't worry. It's just water. Yeah. It's not my gut. Yeah. It's no. fine. So this is normal. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's a new trend, guys. Get on the trend. But that's all I got. So when I actually go see the doctor in a couple weeks, you'll get another update then. But until then, you're screwed. What is Annie doing? Oh my gosh, Amanda, she is growing into such a beautiful little girl. She is so beautiful. Thank you. Her attitude is not. So I need to hear that every now and then. <laughs> Oh, we've never denied that she's cute, Amanda. We just know she's she's spicy. She is, yes. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, everybody listening, okay, no matter your age, having a kid 
makes me wish you were nicer to your own parents growing up. So just keep that in mind, okay? Be nice to your parents because it comes back like this. Well, I mean, I'm nice to my parents now, aside from the fact that I bought a leprechaun to torment my dad with. But small potatoes. I feel like that's kind of his own doing for being afraid of something that he shouldn't be afraid of. You're helping him face his fears. I am. That's really what it comes down to. That's how we helped you uh, with your fears with the bird. Remember? Mm-hmm. Bree doesn't know. Bree, she wasn't here. Oh, I no. held a bird. I held a living bird. You did. Oh, my gosh. You conquered your fear. Oh, no. I still hate birds. Hold on. I didn't realize you weren't. I didn't dawn on me. Because it was last month. Um, I sent it to you, Amanda, didn't I? Yes. Okay, let's just go look at our Yeah, it was on your cruise, right? Yeah, it was on the cruise. She looks petrified. Oh, I was absolutely petrified. Wait, I I can't really see it. Here, let me just share that. Let me just text it to you. And there are, so there are a solid one, two, three, four, five, six, seven birds on my hand in that picture. Girl? Did I truly face fears? No. Was I forced into that? Absolutely. (laughs) So... I can successfully say I have held a bird. I still am not a fan. Hey, I'll be honest. When you were showing me the picture, I thought your face was like. Oh, but no. now that I'm looking at it, it's like. Oh, that is yeah, not no. glee. That is pure there, terror. Yeah, it was a face of pure terror and anxiety and absolute get me the hell out of here. <laughs> so that That's yeah, it was not a face of joy at all. Um, but we did it. We made it through somehow. Saying how. But yeah, there. so I did not conquer a fear. All I did was face it and go, yeah, I still don't like this. <laughs> so. All right. Well, before we go on to stories, because I know Bree's really excited. I'm also really excited about Amanda's story because she, she gave so me a slight teaser kind of last night. Yeah. Was it a teaser? Or was it a discussion about the topic that just went into, oh, I found my story? Kind of both. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we just wanted to shout out. Do we, did we sh- choose somewhere to shout out, Amanda? Did you ever yeah, respond? Yeah, you to asked me one? and then you told me. Oh, did I do what yeah. I'm really good at? Okay. Uh-huh. So we just want to shout out Ireland. So Ireland, you guys have been there for a minute. We don't yeah. know if we've shouted you out before, but we're doing it again. So it doesn't really matter. But thank you, Ireland. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being around. Um, if anyone wants to see pictures from any episodes, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Instagram, twi- oh, nope, Instagram and Facebook are Hell on Heels Podcast. Twitter is Hell on Heels Pod. Um, you guys can email us any suggestions at Hell on Heels Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and then we do have our Discord and our Patreon going. So if you want to join either of those, the links should be on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I think. Does that sound right, Amanda? Yeah, I was listening. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, other than that, I think we can get into stories. Okay. Uh, good, because I <clears throat> I found this one last night. Uh, and then I read a book on it today, and then I want it out of my mind. So wait, didn't you work today? Yes. The book was pretty short. Oh, okay. Sorry, you're turning into Bryce. You're reading a book in a day now. She said it, it was, was short. Like, yeah, it was like maybe 100 pages, something like oh, that. That's easy. I'm sorry. No. So the person who can read like 20 pages in like an hour, that's a lot. The book is called, oh, by the way, this is in Czechoslovakia or the Czech Republic. 
So I don't know if I'm saying these words right. I'm going to do the best I can. Okay. No, I thought you were looking for something in Texas. Yeah, I lied. So I mean, I was, but then I found this. So the book is called The Kiram Case. Uh, It's by Ryan Green, and it is a terrifying true story of child abuse, cults, and cannibalism. Oh, awesome. Mm -hmm. So lovely. (sighs) Here we go. Oh, and it's free if you have a Kindle like I do. So go read it. And I'm sorry for all the details. But are you? No, you know, I'm a I'm a devil for the details. I know. So this story is mainly about Clara Morova. She was born in the Czech Republic in 1975. I believe then it was still Czechoslovakia, but she was the youngest of three daughters and she was the active one of the siblings. Her two older sisters were both said to be very bookish, very studious. Clara, she was very sporty. She did synchronized swimming. She did volleyball. She did gymnastics. Um, At the age of 18, she became pregnant. And they got married soon after. She had two sons. She had Jacob in October of 1997 and Andres in September of 1999. And from what I could find. Oh, I was going to ask if the picture of the four people included her sons. Yes. Mm -hmm. The uh, taller of the women, that is Clara. Clara, I don't know. That is Clara. And then the two boys with their faces obviously blurred out. Those are her sons. And that's on a summer like a summer vacation. Okay. Now from all accounts, this marriage, they didn't have a bad marriage. They had like hordes of help with the marriage. When she became pregnant, she wasn't really, it was a shotgun wedding, but it wasn't her and her husband had a good relationship. Her family helped out with her son so she could finish college. And she was said to be a really good mom. Her older sister, even said that she admired Clara and wanted to be like her when she had kids. She went on to get a degree in economics as she got a job as a secretary. Her marriage ended in 2003, and it ended amicably. Um, Clara kept the kids, but the father was still active in their lives. Uh, He would see them every weekend. He would go to whatever school activities they had. It seemed like they co-parented really well. In 2004... It was reported that Clara just suddenly had another child. Like at random? Just like, oh, Uh by the way, I'm pregnant. Oh, no, not pregnant. No, 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 no. She had a 13-year-old girl named Annika. Uh, They called her Anna. Wait, where did this child come from? Yeah, was it hers originally? I would think that she would know if another child had previously (laughs) popped out of her, her, her areas. Well, well, no, but I'm saying like, did she put it up for adoption? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like super young when she had it, maybe, and then you know she put it up for adoption. But it sounds like no, it was um, it was pretty random. Her friends and most family members said that Clara had never mentioned wanting to adopt a child. Um, Neighbors said that this just one day they saw her with this girl. She was described as pale and sickly, and neighbors often saw her being carried upstairs like she couldn't climb them herself. Uh, Clara told people that the girl was autistic and she didn't like strangers. I mean, I don't like strangers either. Yeah, fair. I don't either. I mean, I don't know if that's that's necessarily just autistic, unless I, I don't Mm -hmm. know. 
she was said to have like an extreme aversion to him would not make eye contact this little girl i read i read a story of one of clara's friends that had sons the same age as clara's boys and they all went to the movies together and this woman said that the whole time anna never looked at the movie screen she stayed looking down the whole time she did not talk to anybody or touch anybody interact with anybody but clara i was just gonna say that doesn't i don't know that's just it's sitting wrong with me it's sitting wrong with me, like, less of autism, more of fear. That's how I felt about it, too. My niece is autistic, um, and she's she has struggles, but it's not this, you know, it's not this bad, and she's worked through a lot of them. It's, I know there's a, a range. Is that how you say it? Yeah, it's a spectrum. But spectrum, it's also very you. possible that we're on this podcast, and my brain immediately goes, no, that's wrong. I feel like that has a lot to do with what we're doing right now. Probably. Okay. So I have two questions. One actually formed from y'all's previous conversation. One, she didn't even interact with the, with the boys, with Clara's sons, only with Clara. From what I saw, she had like, or from what I read, she had a very strange attachment to Clara. Um, And I don't know if it's Clara or Clara. I'm saying Clara. <clears throat> but she had a really strange attachment from the moment they met. Uh, and I'll get into how they were introduced later on. Um, but she was just always comfortable, I guess, uh, with Clara. Now, again, from what I read later on, the boys, they had a good relationship with her. Uh, they had a heartbreakingly good relationship with her. But we'll get into that uh, a little later as well. So maybe Clara was more of a comfort person for her. It seemed like it. Okay. She was said to have come from a checkered past. Um, What was most notable about this to everybody else surrounding this family is that after Anna came into the picture, Clara kind of started being isolated. Uh, It didn't seem like something she could help. Anna obviously had a lot of demands, you know, it's very challenging sometimes. Uh, And she was said to always look exhausted. She always looked sad. And she slowly just started maybe missing phone calls and eventually ignoring her friends completely. According to the adoption paperwork, Clara told the state that Anna was the daughter of drug addicts that knew her grandmother. And Clara's grandmother, Antonia, she would take Anna during the day and take care of her, make sure she was fed and clothed. And then one day in 2000, Anna's parents just never came back. She tried to look for him and she couldn't find him anywhere. So Antonia took care of Anna until she died in 2004. And this is when Clara took her in. October of 2006, Clara moved with her new blended family to Kurum in the Czech Republic. And at this point, this is when she was pretty much just completely isolated. Her family was shocked because her parents helped raise her boys at one point so she could finish school. But she told them that the boys were acting out, so she needed to limit contact with them until she gained their respect and authority. And a lot of this, they figured this is a big, a big change for the boys too, bringing Anna into this or Anna into this, you know, maybe not having the attention that they used to get. The older sister, Gabriella, she was the middle child. She had previously been really close with Clara, and she was just ignored and completely cut out 
from their lives. At the end of July in 2006, Clara's ex-husband was not allowed to see his sons anymore. Instead of his weekend's visits, he was told that the boys were attending educational outings where they watched animals in their natural habitats. During this time, Clara's oldest sister, Katerina, was the only person Clara had regular contact with. Katerina graduated with a degree in child hair and she worked at a daycare. So Clara relied on her a lot to help her with Anna. And at one point, they actually moved in together. And when they moved to Curum, they all moved in together. After they moved to Curum, her neighbors said that they barely saw Clara at all. If they did, they just caught glances of her as they came and went. On May 7th, 2007, this is about six months, I believe it said. It was sometime between October and December that they moved and they were settled. May of 2007, a man bought a baby monitor and he was setting it up. And this specific type of baby monitor, you set it up and you can attach it to your television. When he turned it on, he noticed a scene that was really unfamiliar to him. It was a small room. There was very little light and the picture was really grainy. And this was not in his house. And as he stared at it, he saw a small room with little or no light. And a little boy, maybe six or seven years of age, naked with his hands bound, and he was playing with a roll of scotch tape. He didn't look upset. So the man just kind of, he really didn't know what to do with it. The boy didn't look scared. He didn't look terrified. He looked fine. And he looked completely content. So he just kind of went about his day. However, later that night, around five o'clock, he got home and he turned the TV back on. And the little boy was still tied up in the room and he was eating something off the floor. Okay. If you ever see a young kid bound, I mean, you you got to do something, right? I mean, regardless if it's been for five minutes or for, you know, like a few hours. I mean, you you got to do something. This guy just went on his day. How or what year? Was I mean, this I'm again? glad he turned his TV back on, but still, this was in 2007. That was only like 15 years ago. 16. Yeah. But my question is, is it more that mentality of, I don't want to be involved? It didn't really go into it. Um, It just said that he noticed it. It looked weird. Because also, he didn't know where this was. All he knew was like, this is weird. This isn't my house. This isn't my camera. I mean, I would call the authorities immediately if I saw that. When he got back that night and he noticed that the boy was still tied up and he was eating something off the floor, he said that he was shocked. And he spent about 15 minutes just trying to figure out, like, is this real, what he should do in this situation? And finally, he said he called the police as like a just in case. Because, again, the boy seemed fine. He wasn't scared or anything. But this man was like, you know what? If there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong. I'm calling just in case. Because he also said at this point, it's been like eight or nine hours. And this little boy is still tied up. So he's like, even if they were just, you know, I mean, kids play games, you know, cops and robbers, stuff like that. And cops and robbers, yeah, but I mean, when I was why young, would he be naked? Oh, that yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We never yeah. played those games. My dad used to tie us up with jumper cables and see how long it would take to get out of them. I was the best, by the way. But we had we were fully clothed, and it was just good old wholesome it family was fun. Monitored. Your dad was there the whole time. Yes, like feet away. He was stop watching. Yeah, <laughs> I get the people. You know, kids will like. 
you know, run around naked or whatever, but that's when they're like five years old tops. I mean, a seven or eight year old would not be bound naked Mm -hmm. and just playing with a ball. Okay. I'm sorry. I remembered my second question. Um, How is he playing with the, was he just like playing with the ball with like his nose or something? Like if his hands were tied or was he like throwing the ball, you know, like his hands were tied like this and then he was throwing it at the wall. Tape, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a roll of scotch tape. Oh, so he probably had it in front of him and was messing with it. Mm -hmm. It -hmm. wasn't clear on like how he was playing with it. I will say there's a video online. Um, I did not want to see it. I don't want to see that. But there are uh, there's videos, there's pictures. I did not look for them. So Um, regardless, like I said, the man was finally like, no, even if nothing's wrong, I'm calling police. So he calls the police. They come out and they look at this footage and they decide to investigate. So they figure. This is a baby monitor. This isn't going to have a large range. You know, they're, they don't make baby monitors that can be picked up from a mile down the street. So they start by knocking on his neighbor's doors around him. Eventually, they, you know, they knock on Clara's door and she tells them that she doesn't have a son. Um, all she has is a 13-year-old daughter who was sick. And she would be very upset by a bunch of cops coming in and, you know, stomping around the apartment. They are understanding of this. No, that's all they know. So they go back to the man's, the original neighbor's apartment. Wait, okay. Doesn't she have two sons? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They just poofed? No. Oh, okay. Well, I I don't like this already. Okay. The, I mean, they they didn't even... Okay, you're right. Baby monitors don't have that large of a range. Even then, I mean, they probably had an even smaller range, right? And, I mean, they had to have investigated this, right? The policemen, like, corroborated everyone's story. Well, at this point, they're just going around and asking people. And here's the shocker. Nobody admitted to having a small boy tied up in a spare room. Yeah. Because they have to have probable cause or enough mm-hmm. of a reason to enter your home to come search. Right. Well, but yeah, and I'm saying they had to have corroborated everyone's story, though, right? They like, don't know if this is a hoax. They don't know if it's truly yeah. like a little kid tied up. They don't right. have anything to show that this kid is in any danger because they don't know if it's true. They don't know if this is a hoax. They don't know. They, they are limited in what they're able to do. And this is also in a different country. So what they do go back to this man's, um, they go back to his place. And luckily, this neighbor was still watching. And while they were talking to Clara, he heard the cop talking to her through the camera. So they go, when the cops come back, he shows this video. And as he's replaying the tape, the leading officer not only heard his own voice while he was talking to Clara, but he recognized the music that was playing in the background when he was at Clara's house. It was the same, the same song he heard. So this was enough. They go back to her place. And while they're investigating and looking around, the girl upstairs loses her shit. They can hear her just freaking out. They can hear her screaming. She's not happy about this. But they do find a padlock, a padlocked door that looks like it goes to a closet or a small room under the stairs. You said the girl upstairs. Do you mean Anna? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So they see this small locked room and they ask Clara, hey, can you unlock this? And she says, no. This was locked when we moved in and the landlord never gave us a key. 
So they're like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. They call the firefighters. And the firefighters. Watch us take this door off. It's a padlock. Okay. You can get a padlock with some uh, bolt cutters. So they call the firefighters in to get in this door. And when they get there, Clara, Katerina, and Anna are all sitting in front of the door and refuse to move. Starting to get a little sketchy. I mean, it's been sketchy, but it's starting to be like, Wait, why? I mean, I know, obviously, I know at this point why they're refusing to move, but why make it worse for yourself? Uh, Hail Mary, I guess. Maybe she didn't want to make it worse. Maybe she was just trying to convince the cops not to go in still. So this is the first time they see Anna. And she was described as being dressed in a red and yellow patterned dress. She had round glasses. She had a cap on her head. And at a glance, she appeared to be an adolescent, but they said that she was acting like a way, like a much younger child. When she came downstairs to join her mom and aunt, she was crawling on all fours and she was babbling and rocking herself like an infant. So the police believe that this child may have some kind of uh, mental disability, a developmental disability, something like that. All of the women were forcefully removed and... Go ahead before I tell you what they find. I I was just going to ask, is this a Gypsy Rose situation? No. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to say they find a little boy behind that door. I'm going to say they find two. Mm, I'm concerned they only find one. When they open the door, months worth of human excrement permeated the room. The floor was concrete. There was nothing covering it, uh, no blankets, no nothing, and it was covered in vomit, dried urine, and feces, and police said that it was unbearably hot in that room. In the center of the room was a small, pale, naked boy from the the baby monitor, and he was completely calm. He never cried, even after they forced open the door and all these people came inside. They said this little boy was just calm. Clara identified the boy as her son, Andrej. Clara was distraught. She was emotional. She was completely incoherent. And when police asked her, like, okay, if this is your son, how can you do this? She told them that the police didn't get it and they could not possibly understand. Katerina told police that the room reminded Andrej of Harry Potter and it was his favorite place to play. And when they were like, okay, why is it disgusting? She could not explain it. Why is he naked? I'm sorry. I'm just completely speechless. This is beyond me. I'm still stuck on the poor treatment of this kid. Why is he naked in a filthy room, playing in the dark with a roll of tape and his hands bound? Yes, this poor kid. Oh, my God. And there's only one of them. And there's human excrement everywhere. I told you. I told you I was concerned there was only one. Hey, hey, there there may still be two. There may she still me- be two. Hold on. She mentioned cannibalism, and that's where I'm concerned yep. for the second yep. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what Police I'm saying. call paramedics, uh, but while they were waiting for them to come, they start processing what is obviously a crime scene, and they're taking photos of the room, and they took a photo of Andrej bound and naked in the middle of the floor, And when they pointed the camera at him, he looked up at the camera and smiled. Poor baby. I don't know if that's creepy or if it's 
Okay, it's a little creepy, but it's also really sad. I don't, okay, mm-hmm. I don't find it creepy because he's still a child. He hasn't been in that situation his entire life. Like, you can see a picture clearly of them as a happy family. So he doesn't know any better. And he just knows that in a picture, you're supposed to smile. Mm-hmm. The book basically said that when he did that, it destroyed everybody there. So Andrej was taken to the hospital where his trauma started coming to light. He was delirious. He was scared. They had to take the pictures off of the walls because he thought they were ghosts. He suffered from nightmares while he tried to sleep. Doctors found long scars on his arms and his back, welts on his groin, and one round scar on his buttocks. His brother Jacob was two years older than Andrej, so he was at school when police raided this house and found his brother. Okay, thank goodness. You you kind of left us hanging there. I was yeah. real stressed about the brother. I was very stressed. But now I'm stressed about that scar on his buttocks. So Andrej, he was diagnosed with a hearing disorder. And he was pulled from school when they deemed that it was, you know, he, he wouldn't be able to benefit from it. Clara was supposed to be homeschooling him. That's why he was home. But Jacob was at school. Police attempted to speak to Jacob, but he was said to have keep he kept his eyes down and he was just completely focused on the book that they had given to him. They found similar wounds on Jacob. He claimed that the scratches were from a pet gerbil on his arms and he suffered wasp stings on his groin when they were camping. But as caregivers kind of started to press Jacob, because um, obviously they did not believe this. He eventually told them that the scratches were from a fork being forcefully drugged, uh, dragged forcefully against his skin, the welts from cigarettes being put out on his groin, and his mom had never been a, spo- a smoker. She bought the cigarettes just for the purpose of burning him and his little brother with them. What did they do to her? Oh my gosh, that is terrible. Because their existence is not enough of a reason to cause them harm. Mm-hmm. And this was supposedly like a great mom from what everybody could see. And the book did say that the boys told um, authorities that this abuse literally just kind of came out of nowhere. Like they were, they were shocked at how fast it happened. It was not a gradual thing. Did she have just like a mental break of some sort? Mm -mm. Is this like, did you plan this? How long did you plan this? Was she in like a abusive relationship herself or something that nobody knew about i mean she was she was single at the time as far as we know as far as i read uh they were able to get a little more out of jacob as the days passed he told authorities that he was originally kept in the bathroom when they first moved before being moved under the stairs and the out of all the time he had been there he had only been in the living room one time and it was on christmas day only one christmas though well, they were only there for a couple months. Um, oh, it, okay. They estimated it to be about six months that they lived there. So in six months, he was let out one time. Poor kid. As the boy started to open up a little bit, Anna got worse. She was taken to the same children's institution, but Anna refused to let anybody touch her. She screamed. She fought. She bit. She scratched people. And when anybody tried to examine her, like medically, she just absolutely lost it. So what the caregivers in this institution decided to do was to kind of just let her be and possibly come to terms. Because this is traumatic 
just being taken from your parents. That is traumatic alone for any child, much less a child that may have more uh, disabilities than special needs. Right. Thank you. They special need special care. Child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they decide to just kind of let her be, maybe decompress a little bit, and then they'll give her a bath in a couple days. Uh, however, within days, Anna disappeared from the institution. She found out how to open the window and she escaped into the woods. They did search the woods and they searched these woods. Uh, they even used infrared goggles and tracker dogs, but they never found her. Like never? Like to this day she's not been found? Uh, Anna? No. Kind of. We'll get, okay. Just stay with me. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> There's a lot of moving parts to this story. Investigators... Well, now they're looking into this because they find it hard to believe that a special needs child would escape without a trace from this uh, hospital. I was going to say that. I mean, that poor kid. I mean, they, from what you described from her disabilities, it doesn't sound like she could have gotten that far on her own. Yeah, exactly. That's what they were thinking. They believe that she had someone else helping her. I don't think so. I'm not buying it. <laughs> Is her name really Anna? No, probably not Gertrude or something. Investigators started looking at these doodles that Anna had done while she was at the institution because the caregivers give her a pencil and paper in an attempt to calm her down. These doodles were actually strings of binary and a whole page of just binary codes, a calculus formula, the cube root of nine, and two drawings of representations of a tesseract, which is a four-dimensional cube. One of these was intact, and another one was an exploded view of how it would look in three dimensions. But I have heard, that's not unheard of. I have heard of people who have special needs, but who are extremely smart in like one certain subject. And that sounds like one, I mean, to me, that sounds like Mm -hmm. math. Right. So she could just be smart. But I know that that's probably not the case in this story. So they when they saw this, that's what they were thinking. They were like, well, you know, we kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. Like, yeah, it's interesting, but it's very common for, you know, autistic people specifically to be very intelligent. It was when they started talking to the caregivers a little more that their ears just kept perking up. A couple of them came forward suspecting that Anna was older than 13. Because they said that her gaze seemed too mature for an adolescent child. And they also said that she had stretch marks, which is rare at her age. It's not completely uncommon. What does a mature gaze look like? I'm not really sure. From my understanding, it was just the way that she seemed to look at people and comprehend some things that were said sometimes it was not childlike and i saw uh, in different parts of the book it said that she would kind of slip in and out of being childlike and then being more mature interesting and clara at this point she's just mia oh no they are in jail as hell oh, okay okay yeah because she had custody of her right mm-hmm. when they okay when they right. got i don't want to mispronounce his name so i'm not going to say it but when they got the poor boy Oh, um, Andrej and, yes, uh, Clara and and Katerina are both in custody because they are, they were the ones in, you know, taking care of these children. And then Andrej, Jacob, and Anna, Anna are all, were all in uh, medical care. 
So while they're searching for Anna, she sends a letter to the press. And she said in this letter that her mother, she saw her mother was arrested and she wanted to help. And that's why she ran away. The caregivers said that they did usually try to shield children from seeing these things. But they had also left her in, unattended in front of a TV at one point. And they were thinking that maybe she could have been playing with the channels and saw something about her mother being arrested on the news. And Anna also claimed that while the punishment for Andrej was harsh, it was warranted because he was wild, he was uncontrollable, and that he even threatened to kill her and their mother. So Clara devised this punishment as an attempt to work through his bad behaviors. Okay, hold on. To work through behaviors, I'm pretty sure that's what therapy is for. Yeah, I was just going to say that. And it's late enough that I feel like therapy stigma behind that was starting to die down. I know there's still a stigma behind it, but it was starting to kind of die down. So I feel like therapy would have been like an ideal solution, not imprisonment. Yeah, I mean, this does not exactly not imprisonment. This doesn't sound like something that you would try to do to help your child's behavior. If anything, you would be doing this to prevent them from like growing up and from actually doing things with that amount of sensual depravity, depravity. Am I saying that right? I mean, uh, sensory deprivation. Yeah. Sensory deprivation. Yeah. Thank you. With that amount of sensory deprivation. I mean, it's just going to get worse. The behavior and everything. It also isn't a punishment. That's torture. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The letter. Uh, it did not help the investigation, not only for, you know, how weird and strange that was, because I'm to play devil's advocate coming from a child, you know, if so coming from a child, you know, a parent could very easily make that, you know, the nature versus nurture. You could argue that they, you know, if if they are evil, they could very much lead her to believe that this was a valid punishment. So she could be just defending her mother in this letter. But there were other things that investigators thought was really strange about this letter. If it was an attempt by Anna to answer questions, all it did was add more. Because the handwriting, it matched the doodles that she did. So they did believe this to be from her and not from just some jerk trying to get attention. And the vocabulary and the cadence was very childlike. But this letter was 10 pages long. What? What? There were no mistakes crossed out. There was practically no grammatical or spelling errors, and certain parts were said to have a degree of experience not found in children. And what was most strange was although Anna told police that she was, you know, her mother's 13-year-old daughter, the author of the letter used male pronouns when writing it. Wait, so when they referred to themselves, they used male pronouns? Uh Uh-huh. When Anna referred to herself in this letter, she used male pronouns. Can you give me an example? Because maybe I'm just struggling to understand how to refer to myself in a male format in a letter. Because I feel like it'd be, I did this, not he. Like, that's where I'm confused. I could not find the letter. It was never, like, released. I know. It sucks. Uh, Yeah, you do. Oh, wow. Hurtful. I'm just, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's just, um, a lot of this was not released by the public, either now or immediately. But that's just, that's all we know. That's one of the things that investigators were like, this is really strange. They were able to trace the letter and it led them back to a cottage in the woods that had once been used by 
Katerina. Sorry, how they traced the letter as in the person who sent it had a return stamp on it? Like it had been mailed from this cabin, this cottage. Yeah, like it had a return. That's kind of dumb. Is it I not? don't know if it necessarily had like a return address on it. It could have just been like uh, the mark from the post. Like in the U.S., if I take it to my local post office, they know it's, they it's going to come from there. And this. Uh, oh, okay. Right. Okay. And Katerina had been linked to this cottage before. So they just kind of put like two and two together. Um, okay. When they searched this cabin, they could tell that people had been there, but it had been abandoned for a while. So police are digging farther into this case and they uncovered a groundbreaking revelation. The DNA that they got from Anna did not match the DNA from the records of her adoption. So they they take DNA during adoption. I guess that's just news to me. They take the child's DNA during an adoption. Apparently so. Uh, it was okay. one of the things that they had to have during this uh, adoption. I would assume, it, if anything else, is because they didn't really know much about her. She was undocumented as a child, presumably because her parents were, you know, addicts and not, quote unquote, responsible citizens, that kind of thing. So it's not the same person. It's a completely different person. So Anna could have existed, but human remains also existed. Um, they had a match to the DNA. The DNA from the adoption records was matched to the daughter of Victor Scala. He was an actor, and he was a member of an offshoot of a religious sect called the Grail Movement. So, I know this case is everywhere, but just stay with me, okay? Questions? You lost me a while ago, so... Yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm trying to pay attention. This is Okay, hold on. Let's do a quick recap. So... Recap. Katarina, Clara, what's their relationship again? I already forgot that. They are sisters. Sisters? That's right. Uh Okay. Those two are in jail right now because they're two, well, Clara's two boys Mm -hmm. were potentially, the one for sure abused, the other one for sure as well. Yes. And then the adopted daughter, Anna, takes off from the hospital. Mm Mm-hmm. But we're questioning if she's really the same age she says she is because she seems to be a fraud. Or the same gender. Or a um, boy, which, you know what, whatever. If you're, if you're a male, be a male. I don't care. But, it, but it's odd that she, I'm, I'm calling her she because, you know, that's, Anna is a she or was a she. I don't know. Um, but it's odd that she was going by Anna, but might be a he. Well, right. that could be a gender identity thing. That's and true. in 2007, it wasn't. I mean, we still see that as a as a big hot topic today. That's so true. in 2007, okay. they might have seen themselves as a he and as a gender identity thing. And it's it was 2007, right, Amanda? Yes. And it's not as not as socially acceptable for someone to kind of come out and say, I'm I feel as though I am a man, even though I am in a woman's body. So to me, that's not as weird just because I think. I, I think that's very possible for someone to have a different gender identity. But it does make me, in this case, question what's going on, especially since their DNA doesn't match the adoption DNA. Now we're getting on to some cult. Okay. Yeah. And Anna so, isn't who, or Anna is somebody else's daughter. Well, right? we Because you said that yet. the DNA matches. 
Oh, okay. No, it does, the DNA doesn't match adoption records. No, 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 not, not, I thought you said it doesn't match Claire's adoption records, but it matches this person, Victor. Yes, okay, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Okay. Okay. So the DNA they use, they got it from the hospital, uh, presumably, or from my understanding, because they wouldn't let her do anything. They got it from her clothes. And that's what they they gave to the tracker dogs. They matched that DNA to the one on her adoption records, and it did not match. So <laughs> this may feel like it's kind of out of left field, but it actually lines up perfectly to another angle police were investigating while they were looking at this case. The cult was headed by Yosef Skrilova, and his daughter Barbara was also part of this cult. Barbara was 32 years old, and she studied musical composition in college where she met Katerina. The two became really close. They eventually got an apartment together, and Katerina even offered Barbara a job at the daycare where they worked together for a while until Barbara stopped showing up due to medical issues. And the co-workers claimed that Barbara lost a tremendous amount of weight before she just stopped coming to work. These same co-workers said that Anna looked a lot like Barbara. Barbara had, I could not find the exact disorder. Some, some said it was hyperthyroidism. Some said it was a glandular disorder. For whatever reason, Barbara looked a lot younger than what she was. When police asked Katerina, if Anna was Barbara, she said that that is absolutely ridiculous. Both her and her sister know both women and they are completely different people. Regardless, as of June 11th, 2007, Anna Morova was no longer, she no longer existed as far as the law was concerned. They completely, they redacted her adoption, everything. This person did not exist. Did they have any proof to prove? Like, were they able to pull any of Barbara's DNA to compare? No, because Barbara was nowhere to be found. They couldn't find her until four days later. Barbara, her father, and her lawyer went to the Czech embassy in Denmark, and they were looking for a passport. Barbara admitted she pretended she was Anna because she had this disease that made her look much younger than what she was. And according to her lawyer, she claimed that deep inside she was a child and she wanted to be amongst children. She said, or he said that as a child, she felt happy and safe. She wasn't treated as an adult. No one took her seriously. People laughed at her and made fun of her because of her acting like a child. While they were at the embassy, people saw her carrying a teddy bear around. She was said to ask her dad for ice cream or asked him for cake when they passed by a bakery, just acting really, really childlike. Since she wasn't a wanted person the embassy couldn't keep her so they let her go but she did leave with a dna sample she left them with a dna sample and she agreed to cooperate with the investigation raise your hand if you think she cooperated with the investigation hell no let the record show nobody is raising their hand right <laughs> Maisie actually put her paws down when you said <laughs> that so she was like oh my hands were up hold on let me fix that granted she also went to grab a bone so just to be clear, because I'm a little lost here, just mm -hmm. to be clear, we have established that Anna is Barbara. Yes, Barbara admitted to acting the part, I guess, of Anna. Okay, but for some part, it wasn't like when the police caught them, right? That was a different Anna. No, that was Barbara. Anna had always been Barbara. 
Barbara did not exist. They, uh, and I'll get into that as well. They basically made her up and Barbara posed as a 13 year old girl. Hey. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm getting into the end, y'all. I swear. She contacted police through her lawyer. She refused to come back to the Czech Republic for fear of prosecution. Interpol agreed to meet with Barbara on July 13th, a month later, but she never showed up. Police offered to send somebody to Denmark to meet her, and her lawyer agreed to do a Skype session instead. But again, she didn't show up, and eventually, even the lawyer quit responding to police. I wonder if the lawyer stopped getting responses from her, and he's like, I don't, what do you want me to do? She's not responding to me either. Yeah, I mean, if the lawyer isn't getting paid, then he's not going to lawyer. Fair point. That it wasn't clear on. Or it could have just been annoying. And he's like, man, these guys just ain't taking the hint. It's not going to happen. Listen, <laughs> no means no, even though she keeps telling you yes. It's a clear no. It's a clear no. I like that. Police at this point, their hands are kind of tied on Barbara. But they have multiple strings tying them back into this cult. So they do multiple raids on the people they know are attached to it. And they find dozens of forged medical documents with names of children at the daycare center. And they these documents claim that these kids have leukemia, various cancers, really dangerous and <clears throat> expensive to treat diseases. And they find that these papers are really, really similar to the ones used in Anna's adoption. Police also showed members of, or showed photos of members of this cult to Andres and Jacob, and the kids identified two more people from these photos that had abused them. Caregivers were working with the boys to start their long healing process during this time. Jacob was said to have trouble dressing himself after taking a bath. He would put his clothes on. He would back to front before being, he would put his clothes on backwards, basically. He had to be helped into them. It was really simple things that kids his age should be able to do. He was about nine or 10 years old at this time. His table, table manners were appalling, and he was said to be unable to eat without making a substantial mess. And he also had a habit of lying. Andrej, on the other hand, was drastically different because unlike Jacob, he never had to hide what was happening to him from other people. Jacob was the one that was going to school every day. So Andrej was really friendly and trusting with everybody. He was really chatty with nurses and he would sit in their laps, even though they were complete strangers. The aspects of freedom that excited him were not what would be expected from a child. He wasn't really excited about toys. He was fascinated by hygiene products and he would comment on how great the toothpaste was or how pretty a hairbrush he had been given was. That is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's very sweet, but it's also very heartbreaking because yes, a child yes. should not be excited about hygiene products. Hygiene products. Because yeah. that should mm -hmm. never be a worry for a child. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what I think is sad for me is that he should never have had to worry about that. He should never have like that shouldn't be his his happiness. It there's so many other things and his yeah, I mean, the other boy, I mean, that that's so sad that he had to, like, hide what was happening. I mean, to his brother, mm -hmm. to him, I mean, that's a lot to have to deal with for a kid. 
this is a big trigger warning. Um, so I'm just going to power through this. Um, the boys, they would eventually tell police that their abuse started in the summer of 2006. And this is when uh, I mentioned to y'all, it was very sudden. They were taken to a cottage in the woods that they had been to on, you know, vacations and stuff before. But this time they were stuffed into dog crates. They were forbidden to speak to each other and they were fed from dog bowls. When they were taken out of the crates, they had bags put over their heads. They were beaten with belt buckles and a bamboo pole. They were scratched with forks. They had cigarettes stubbed out on their groins. There was hot but not boiling water slowly poured onto their abdomen. Andrej had his head held in a bucket of water. The boys were forced to hurt each other. They were subjected to loud industrial music. They were forced to memorize vulgar words and phrases. And they were forced to dig shallow graves, laying them, and repeatedly told they were dead. For some reason, Andrej seemed to be tortured more than Jacob, including one time where he was removed from the cage and held down while Clara sliced a circular piece of flesh from his rear end. While he cried, the meat was passed around to the adults and eaten raw. I freaking, I called it, and I'm upset that I called it. I'm, oh, God. On January 5th, 2008, a man was arrested in Oslo for kidnapping a 13-year-old orphan boy named Adam. They believed Adam had been kidnapped from the orphanage a few days after he had gotten there on December 16th. The orphanage was having like a, kind of like a free day, and Adam was seen just sprinting suddenly to a waiting car, and then the car took off. Police were shocked to discover that 13-year-old Adam was actually Barbara. She was immediately arrested along with her quote-unquote captor and extradited to the Czech Republic. Not long after this, police finally closed this case and they were ready to take it to court on April 2nd of 2008, more than 11 months after originally finding the boys in the house. Testimony evidence and expert analysis were all included in the case file. This case file was over 6,000 pages of documents. Indictments cited the abuse the boys suffered at the hands of all three women, Clara, Katerina, and Barbara, as long or as well as three other people that were connected to this cult that were also they, there um, that summer in the cottage. The indictments included beatings, physical and psychological torture, humiliation, extended durations of imprisonment in dark rooms, and it also included abuse by severing the children's bonds of family and created beings and creating beings with no will of their own desensitized to violence and pain. Pain, excuse me. How does this even happen? I mean, you said at the beginning that she was a great mom. I mean, it's like her older sister, Katarina, and Barbara just like infiltrated her life and then just completely turned her. I mean, it, you said that she was one of the abusers herself. I mean, mm-hmm. how how does that even happen? How, how that do you actually came out in the trial? Okay. <clears throat> okay. They did conduct a psychiatric assessment of Barbara, and they found her mentally fit for trial and that she acted of her own volition. During the trial, Clara insisted that she believed Barbara to be a child. Anna was introduced to Clara by Katerina. Katerina told Clara that she had taken Anna in from Norway through a secret organization and she wanted Clara to care for her. Clara was hesitant, so Katerina put her in contact with the doctor from the secret organization. 
They only spoke through text messages and the very occasional phone call. The doctor instructed Clara on how to care for Anna. Um, amongst other things, um, they did say that Clara had seizures and she had to be tied down for them. I'm sorry. They told Clara that Anna had seizures and she had to be restrained. She had hydrocephaly and she needed daily spinal massages from the base of her skull down her backbone, sometimes for up to eight hours a night. What is hydro what the hydrocephaly? Yeah. Is that what you said it was? Hydrocephaly? Yeah, hydrocephaly. Um, what I found is hydrocephalus, and it was when you have water on the brain. I don't know how spinal massages would help that. Well, I guess it kind of makes sense because your spine is, I mean, the spinal fluid, right, is connected to the brain, right? I, I guess. Um, if anybody knows, let us know. If you're a doctor with bigger brains Specialty. than us, let us yeah. know. Yeah. Um, I don't really think it mattered because um, <clears throat> it was falsified. Yeah, it wasn't true. Another treatment uh, was to stroke Anna's genital area to calm her and help them bond as mother and daughter. To calm her and help her bond as mother and daughter? Mm-hmm. Ma'am! Yep, yep. That's not, no. That is not a medical treatment. Yeah, that's why I don't believe the hydrocephaly thing either. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Y'all, I don't know. That I mean, is not. This is a 13-year-old child, and the reason wasn't to bond with her. That Okay, that's not a 13-year-old child. Let's get one thing real straight. Well, 13-year-old child, uh, that's what Clara In her eyes, claims. right. Yeah, Clara claims that she believes that she was, so that's what I'm going off of. But wouldn't Clara's there just mind. be so many red flags? Like, yeah. I, I just think, like, as an, I am an adult, and if a doctor said you have to do that to a 13-year-old, I'd be like, you're going to lose your license. There's no way that's happening. That is so inappropriate. I think it's pretty easy to say that the doctor was not a doctor. Well, I mean, I get that. But mm -hmm. when the boy started to misbehave, um, Clara turned to the doctor for help because he was starting to become kind of like a a role, like uh, not a role model, but like a a source of knowledge for her. Like she turned to him on how to care for Anna. So she was like, OK, well, this is happening. How do I deal with this? Um when the boy started to misbehave, the doctor also guided her in how to fix that problem. And this is around the time that Katerina planned the summer trip, according to the doctor's orders. Katerina claimed to have done as she was told and agree with no, I'm sorry, Clara claimed to have done as she was told by the doctor and agree to this treatment, quote unquote, with no other intention in her heart but to correct the crooked path her children were on. Because the doctor was basically telling her, your kids are acting out. If you don't fix it, they're going to grow into horrible adults. As her children lay in the crates whimpering, she was forbidden to care for them. Clara was the only defendant at this trial to fully admit her guilt. Barbara, she claimed to be forced to play Anna. She said Katerina would have drowned her if she did not force Andej's head into the bucket. Her own transformation, she claimed, was grueling. She was isolated until only Katrina and one other woman remained in her life. She was allowed almost no food except for one yogurt a day. And she was 
physically, sexually, emotionally, just she was abused in every way. She presented cuts and welts to the court, claiming this happened while she was captured. The welts, she claimed, were from cigarette butts, uh, but they were in different places on during the days of the trial. And they also suspiciously matched the end of a pin. Uh, they were ruled to be self-inflicted. The cuts that she presented in court were results of a breast reduction and liposuction that she had done in college. During the trial, Katerina stayed quiet until close to the end. She prepared a statement, and the statement basically said that she loved both women, but she made up the story and passed Barbara off as a child for Clara to raise because in the years that she had known and lived with Barbara, Barbara had trouble doing very simple daily tasks, and she needed a caregiver. As she presented this statement, Clara was removed from the court because of an outburst where she was basically saying, you're a liar. Don't tell me that. These are my children. I want my children back. And as she was removed from the courtroom, Katerina told her back, I had to tell the truth. This is what really happened. I'm sorry I hurt you. On the 24th of October, 2008, all three women were found guilty. Katerina was sentenced to 10 years for her role as the instigator and organizer. Clara was given leniency for being deceived, but she was still deemed to have committed an absolutely heinous crime. So she was given nine years. Barbara, as well as the other people that I mentioned, but not specifically in this case, they were all given five years. All of the sentences were supposed to be given in a high security prison. And all of these women are free today. I'm sorry. And I, I get that being a parent is not easy. As I see Amanda do every week, when she's dealing with Annie. I get it's not easy. But there is a very big difference between right, wrong, and common sense, right? Like, uh-huh. there's doing something that can harm a child, which is very clear uh, that, like, putting them chained up, tied up in a bedroom filled with feces is not a good thing to do. So, for me, I, I hope she didn't get her children back because, regardless, she she did inflict a lot of pain and torture on her children. When, as a parent and as common sense should call, what was happening was wrong. So I'm struggling to see her like, I want my children back. I want my children back. She had to have known. We'll say um, the boys were adopted by a family in the U.S. And that's all I really want to say about them. I don't want to. They've been doing it. But they were adopted and moved far, far away. Good. Were they? Do you know if they were adopted together? Sorry. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry. That was my last question. So, I mean, it's fine. I, I still can't like phrase a sentence because I'm just so shocked about it all. I mean, I am trying so hard to see Clara's point of view, but I mean, Bryce is right. I mean, there's, what is the common sense in all of this? I mean, you know that abuse is bad. What You think that that's a way to discipline your child, regardless if a doctor said it, regardless if it was, um, oh my gosh, what am I? ethos right yeah regardless if it was ethos and you know all of these this person just told him this person just told her all of this information and it doesn't make sense like she must have been completely broken she must have had like a complete mental breakdown for this for her to have to go through this i mean not for her to have to go through this obviously she did it but for her to have this happen yeah, to go along mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Orphan? 
Yes, yes. I was actually thinking about that when you mentioned that Barbara was not actually Barbara, yep. that Anna was not actually Anna. Yeah. This was the story. This was the woman that uh, inspired that movie. Oh, my word. Yeah, I don't like the story at all, and I'm done with it. I just don't understand how people can look at these things that very clearly cause harm and think, oh, it's fine because a doctor told me. Yeah, yeah. Because that makes no sense. There's obviously a common sense and there's obviously right and wrong and and i can't think of any case where abuse is the right answer especially that type a lot of sources attribute which i will say be careful where you get sources where you where you read about this uh one of the reasons i chose a book is because online it is so dramatized you can see a lot of things that did not happen which i don't know why you would feel the need to dramatize this story as horrible as it is but um a lot of people attribute this to the cult that she was attached to. Every single one of these women all denied being a part of this cult. That feels a little weird, though, being, you know, I mean, the police found a lot of these people through this cult. Uh, the Grail movement is not this kind of cult. I wanted to say that, too. This is an offshoot of that cult. Hey, okay, listen, I get that cult. However, they're able to brainwash people. They do a great job. But also yeah. people have to be accountable for their actions. Yep. Which is why she still got jail time because they found that this was just, um, I can't remember the exact wording. It was something along the lines of like a grievous perversion of motherhood. Valid. Mm-hmm. But that's all for my story. Please don't make me talk about it anymore. No, not at all. That's just okay. beyond heartbreaking. I can't even fathom. I did want to say one more thing. I'm sorry. The picture is of. Clara, the girl that she's hugging is Barbara. Those are her two sons. And then the other picture is of Katerina. Okay, well, can we just move on from this story? Because this is yes. terrible. Yeah. yeah, go. Just go. Just start right now. Go. Yeah. Well, are you guys ready for, mm-hmm. yes. for a little uh, paranormal story? Yeah. Do you have I'm any sure pictures? Yeah. I'm really excited because I told Amanda yesterday that I was changing my story. I was going to do a cryptid. But now we're doing a UFO. And I'm very excited. (laughs) I'm not sure if you guys have heard about this. And I love every confusing and contradictory thing about the story. So have you guys ever heard of the Virginia UFO incident? The what? Virginia. It sounds familiar. It sounds like Virginia. No. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah. No, I don't remember anything about the story. Okay, so this takes place in Virginia, Brazil. And I think I'm saying that right. That's how I feel like I heard it. I typed it phonetically so I wouldn't forget. So Virginia, Brazil. I'm so excited. This case is known as Brazil's Roswell. And it's so good. So in Virginia, Brazil, on January 20th, 1996, there are several sightings of UFOs. And those will surface from numerous witnesses in the early hours of the morning. A lot of people claim that around 2 a.m., U.S. satellites had detected an object entering the Earth's atmosphere, and it had a tra- it had a trajectory. Jesus Christ! It had a trajectory headed right to Brazil. So NORAD would go on to notify the Brazilian authorities of the observed object. One couple would actually state they would see a UFO above their cattle farm, just like above their cattle, and they claimed that it actually hovered over their farm for at least forty minutes. And this is in 1996, so we, we didn't have cell phones to click pictures like that. Go get your cows, right? Right. You're going to get them abducted, but whatever. 
Uh, soon after, there are reports that re- emerged that one of the UFOs that was seen would actually crash near Virginia. And eyewitness reports would describe seeing a cigar-shaped object about the size of a school bus. And they said it was slowly falling from the sky and crashed into a field. In 1996, eyewitness, eyewitness Carlos de Souza <clears throat> would describe what he had seen. He stated, it was floating and slowly losing altitude. It looked like a washing machine struggling, fighting to keep its altitude. The side of it was completely torn and it had white smoke coming out. It wasn't black smoke like from a fire. At the time, I thought it was like an aircraft in trouble, an airplane, so I decided to follow it. So this is Carlos. And he stated that he arrives on scene and he finds like pieces of debris and he <clears throat> picks up one of these pieces of debris that he thinks is like aluminum, like something, some sort of metal. And he's able to crumple it. And then when he releases it, it just goes back to its original form. Ooh. He also noted that there was a very strong smell of ammonia, the like rotten eggs coming from the scene. He said within minutes of him arriving at the crash, military personnel also arrived and he was ordered to leave at gunpoint. Oh, and reportedly the residents of Virginia would start to be surrounded by a very large military presence and it was preventing people from entering the area. But- but can I keep my magic metal though? No. Yeah, right. Not. Oh, rude. Sorry. I would have just hidden it. Been like, oh, what? What? Did I don't necessarily think he knew to hide it because I'm willing to bet he picked it up, crumpled it. Went, That's weird. I'll come back and grab that. And then they came at him with guns and he was like, I'm yeah. not grabbing that. Sure. Could have picked it up and put it in your pocket. Just fold it. Or not what, what if it tried to go back to its original shape in his pocket? It would have gone back to its original shape in his pocket if it now did it the first time. Look, it's just a pants-off dance-off. It's fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Now, according to some sources, Carlos only did one interview at the time in 1996. And a lot of psychologists that actually watch his body language in this interview, a lot of people say, just watching his body language, he's telling the truth of what he saw. So he truly believes what he's saying. Reports would state that military and official uh, fire brigade personnel would remove something from the wreckage and take it to the local hospital. Reportedly, hospital staff had mixed reactions. Some believed that the being was an alien creature. Others believed it was a human that had a genetic, like genetic testing and mutations done on it. And others simply believed it was the devil. So it did look like a human. No? No. I have, I'll get into what it looks like. The local fire station would confirm that they were called out to this incident on January 20th, 1996, but they would deny any involvements of UFOs or aliens, anything like that. Now, this came from, like, the head of the fire station, but they declined allowing the individuals who were on scene to be interviewed. So, like, no one that was on scene was allowed to be interviewed. Right. I'm sorry. I have one more question because I'm still a little confused. Wouldn't they be able to, like, test the blood and be like, oh, this is not human blood. This is not A, B, or A, or B, or O. Uh, Not with military sitting there. So this alien gets taken to the hospital. If they got taken to the hospital, then they, then the hospital is If you have military personnel standing there and you're a doctor and they say you do everything to save this, and you're looking at this thing and go, I don't know anything about this anatomy. Mm-hmm. And you have someone with a gun saying, I don't really give a shit. Figure it out. 
what are you going to do? Are you going to worry about blood tests? No, you're going to just be like, all right, it has a broken leg. I don't know. Give so, me some cotton swabs okay. and some tweezers stat. Plug this okay, hole. Okay, so I, don't... I guess they... I'll get into that a little bit more. I, I promise. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. So this local fire station, they're like, yeah, we went out, but there was no UFO. But that was the head of the fire station, like the sergeant. And they declined to allow any of the other firefighters to be interviewed. So this is coming straight from one source who was not even on the scene. So there's that. And, you know, a lot of rumors start coming out. And we have one military soldier come forward. And he claimed to us to actually escort this creature to the hospital. The soldier claims that they were told to remain with the creature at the hospital and guard it. And they recall just a few details about this creature. They said it stunk. It had a strong, foul odor. Rude. Well, if it smells like ammonia, you know. It was maybe a meter tall, which is about three feet. It was oily brown, had leathery skin, large red eyes, claw-like hands. And according to the soldier, there was no way the creature could have been human. Now, the soldier and the hospital staff, they were not able to save the creature. And they would ultimately just declare this thing dead. And military would then take it. Um, As for hospital staff, a lot of people say they were threatened. They were told that they were not allowed to say anything. Um, They've got military presence in the hospital with weapons, arms, life, ammunition. And they also don't know what the hell they just operated on, according to some sources, right? They're like, we tried. So this soldier says, for sure, it was an alien. We don't know. They, like The staff did what they could at the hospital, and then we, as the military, took it. Shortly after this, there's just a media storm of these UFO reports and alien sightings. All of these are hitting the news. And there are hundreds of reports of just alien or UFO sightings that are just flooding into authorities at this point. And this is still January 20th. Oh, so this is all the same day. Yes. Oh, they're busy. So, yeah. On January 20th, 1996, still the same day as the initial crash, three girls are walking home from work and they see this strange creature and they are in Virginia. These girls range from the age 14 to 22 and they claim to have seen this creature just out in this alleyway. They were taking like a shortcut home. So the sisters, Lily, uh, Ann and Valkyrie, Valkyria, Carrie, I don't know how to say their names. I'm sorry. It's Portuguese. I'm not good. I'm not even good at Spanish. Okay. But those two are friends and their friend Katia are out. And their claims, they just are saying it was during intense rains and strong winds. At least some reports say that. Other reports the the girls have made said it was like a very hot day. It was very clear at the time when they see this creature. So there's a little bit of conflict there because some reports say, no, it was rainy. It was windy. Others say it was, no, it was hot. It was humid. It was gross. But all three girls claim to have seen a biped creature that stood about five feet tall. It had a large head, a thin body, V-shaped feet, brown skin that looked soft or oily. One of the girls even said it looked as if they were sweaty. And they described the creature as possibly being sweaty or the heat of the day causing the creature pain. Sounds like heat. It sounds like your typical heat, but yeah, I would It sounds complain. like Alabama. I'll be there tomorrow. I <laughs> want that. So it had large round red eyes, three horns on its head. So it just like the horns went... They, they went from front to back and just like one, two, three, you know, mm. it had visible veins on its arms that were like a deep purple in color. And it also seemed wobbly, unsteady. The girls described it as seeming fearful as well. 
And one of the girls actually claimed like it's outside the exterior. It looked like the outside of a heart. So when you like envision what a heart looks like, that's what she's describing it as. And so the girls at this point, they see it and they kind of have this feeling that it's injured. It's sick. There's something wrong with this thing. It's really scared, just as scared as they are of it. And they flee. They are like, nope, bye. And they take (laughs) off and they go home. I love them. Because they they come back and they're like, this thing looks so scared. It looked terrified. And we just ran away. I would too. I'd be like, bye. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Me too. I would help them. I would try to like communicate with them. Try to be. That's how you get taken by a puckwudgie. This is how you die. Okay. I'm going to explain why we don't help these creatures in particular. Not because we're not kind people, but because there are health risks. So we're just going to, we're going to wait. Okay. So they run home, they tell, so the sisters tell their mom, and they're like, we saw the devil. Like, that's it, we saw the devil, (laughs) done. Their mom's like, okay, sure. And they go back to where they claim to have seen this creature. And when they arrive to the spot where this creature was, there's just this strong odor of ammonia lingering. And they also see footprints that do not match a human. The moms, they see this really weird print, and there's this really strong odor of ammonia and they are just like i don't know what's happening there's a dog sniffing around but there's no sign of this creature like that's not a dog footprint and they're like okay really weird they start telling friends and family and they're like well there's these of these ufo sightings and another creature was already captured like what's going on and three hours after this encounter with the girls two military police officers they're cruising along driving when from the corner of a vacant lot a creature runs out from uh runs out in front of their car and Officer Marco Cherez would capture this creature with his bare hands. And he would take it, they would take it to the local hospital, do this whole charade, blah, blah, blah. And a few weeks after his little scuffle with this creature, Marco would pass away from unknown toxic poisoning. What? What? After, so after Marco had touched this being, he describes the strange feeling of something greasy or sticky all like just on his skin that he believed to have come from touching the alien. And you said and he, he tackled it, right? Like yeah, he he, so he was in manhandled this thing. He was oh, not messing around. Right. This may be a stupid question, but when you said on his skin, did he only feel it where he was, you know, tackling him on his skin or did he start feeling it all over? That's not very clear. I tried to kind of find some things, but the issue is that Marco has since passed. Like, I can't get clarity on that. So, up okay. for interpretation. It was all over his skin. It was it, all over he his just, skin. It seeped in. He was free. It okay. seeped, yep. Yep. He would reportedly start losing function of his arm, like, not able to control his arms, move very well anymore. And he would develop an infection that just wouldn't go away, and it continued to worsen. And he was just not doing great after this contact with this creature. He would be taken to the hospital where he would ultimately pass away in ICU. His sister believed that he had died from having this contact with this alien creature. And she claimed that he wasn't ill prior to this incident. There was nothing that would have caused concern, anything like that. But after her brother passed away, the doctor would order that an autopsy was not necessary. And that they basically were trying to bury him as quick as possible. His sister I'm sorry, the doctor said that or the military said that? The doctor. The officially the doctor was it a military doctor? Oh. Possibly because he's a military officer. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, he was a military doctor. The only thing we're missing here is a uh, cremation. Uh well, they bury him. So the sister she did fight to get an independent autopsy, but sh- from what I could find, she never got it. However, while the autopsy was never completed, 
we do have the soldiers' blood results that were made available. Uh-huh. And those showed that the soldier's blood, Marco's blood, contained 8% of an unknown toxin. 8% of his blood? Fast? Yes. It, I mean, it took weeks for it to spread. It wasn't immediate. It took several weeks. But regardless, I mean, several weeks, eight, he touched it. 8%. Crazy. Touch me. I didn't cause it. I don't know how to help with this. Okay. You're crazy. You did that. <laughs> You're going to have to talk to Mr. Alien Guy in Vir- Virginia. I would rather not talk to the poison dart aliens, okay? I will talk to him. Be like, yo, what, what's okay. up with this, man? Just don't touch him, okay? Like, maybe talk to him behind a glass, prison style. Use your words. Yeah, just don't touch him, okay? That's what I'm saying, Bree. This is where I'm saying maybe don't help things that you're not familiar with. Don't touch things you shouldn't touch. I'm not touching you. You, you gotta, you gotta help. You gotta help. Thing. I mean, okay. I'm just saying, just, don't touch okay, it. Don't true, touch that's it. True. That's true. That's true. Wouldn't touch it. Wouldn't touch poke it. it with a stick. Don't poke it with a stick. That's rude. How would you like if somebody poked you with a stick when you were terrified on a whole nother planet? You had no idea where you were, what you were doing. Your UFO just crashed. You were trying to go a thousand light years away from this place, and your UFO crashed, and all these people are poking and prodding you. You wouldn't like that. That sounds like a whole lot of him problems. I'm not uh-huh. going to another planet. <laughs> We're staying on this planet yeah. here. I don't okay? even like this planet. I don't want to explore any others. We tolerate this one. How how do you know if you don't like any other planets if you haven't tried them yet? It'll it'll be in the future that we're able to travel. I'm telling you. I am perfectly, whether we can travel to other planets or not, I'm perfectly content being unhappy on this one. Thank you. The end. Okay. Well, anyways, while you're unhappy on this one, don't touch unknown aliens. We don't know what's on their skin. Okay? Check. Check. Done. This is not the only person to lose their life. There is also a member of the fire brigade that would also reportedly lose their life. And this was also due to unknown toxic poisoning. But I couldn't find a lot of details on that one. It was a, in every article that mentioned it, it was a very brief little note. Is this the same fire brigade where the chief man was like, no, we didn't see anything strange. You dirty fibber. Oh, you're going to love their next fibs. <laughs> Give me the fibs. Well, we're not to fibs yet. We're doing a series of events first. Okay. Okay. Now, several days after this original incident, the girls, uh, or sorry, several days after the incident where the girls witnessed this, this creature, another witness would come forward. And this is actually an English speaking lawyer. And she claimed to have seen the site where the UFO initially crashed. She described hearing this huge explosion, seeing flames. She attempted to call the fire department but was unsuccessful, but she wouldn't need to because fire trucks would be seen moments later headed to the site. So in her mind, she's like, someone's already called. Like, I was sleeping, something crashed, took me a second to register, someone probably saw it and knows what's happening. Fair. She doesn't initially think this is UFO. She's like, okay, well, that's weird. I don't know what this is. But she also would notice that there were at least three military vehicles that made their way to the site as well. And she said this happened within five to six minutes of when the crash happened. So everything is responding really quick. And so now she's kind of like, all right, weird. But she's like, maybe something with the military, because the military's here. Maybe they were running some sort of exercise and something's crashed. And that's the, the explosion they heard. So they were able to anticipate it better. Like they heard the mayday or whatever. She, however, wasn't really close enough to the actual fire, the crash that she could make out what was going on. So she didn't think it was aliens until she had seen the news later on. And then she's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So a lot of people call this, they're just like, listen, people hear this. And it got so, so publicized. It was all over the media, so spectacular. 
And people saw something, but they changed it, morphed it into something else. Like this was just a random crash of some sort, but I never got clarity on what they said this was. So I don't know what crashed. But she she does come forward. And on January 22nd, 1996, another creature is allegedly found lying along a road. And according to witness reports, three military vehicles were sent to retrieve the alien body, pick it up, take it off. And there were no reports. No military personnel could be found on this incident. No statements, nothing. But there are witnesses that state they saw those three military trucks pick up a third creature. Yep. Sounds about right. Yeah. And that was two days later. A lot of people are like, whatever was captured, it's not in Brazil anymore. Uh, a lot of people are sa- said that there was an unmarked military plane, which they believe to be the U.S., came regarding the incident, collected the cargo, and went on our merry way. So a lot of people don't believe that these creatures are in Brazil anymore. They believe that they were taken by the U.S. government. And as for the residents and witnesses, so many have claimed that they were, they were threatened or told to lie about the experience, just not say anything. Like, military was involved and they were told, keep it, keep it quiet hasn't stopped anyone but point is is that there are a lot of people that were close to this um such as doctors nurses military personnel they have all been instructed to lie supposedly supposedly okay a lot of people think at this point all right we're done like people have been told to lie they're covering it up blah 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 incidents done well they're like well life can continue as normal but a couple of weeks after the incident a third report or a third creature is reported at the Virginia Zoo. What? And it, yeah. An elderly woman, a woman who was the janitor, she would go on to describe this uh, creature, and it was very remarkably similar to the previous reports. She described it as very ugly. Rude. Um, rude. Yeah. She Poor said guy. it had... He's probably beautiful in his own world. I'm sure he's gorgeous on his own planet. Yeah. But he has these big red eyes. Which, interestingly enough, her description led people to believe that its eyes were actually emitting light. Oh. I don't know how that works. It was a dark brown color, it had a small nose, and a slit for a mouth, which most of the reports didn't mention the nose or the mouth because they were not visible. And then she again emphasized that it was very ugly. She's kind of just like, it is ugly. Ma'am, we get it. But she clarified it was not any animal she had seen from the zoo or native to the area. Well, so she, duh. She's like, I have no idea. Hey, she works at a zoo. She knows. <laughs> well, I mean, she's a janitor, so it's she's not like the lead zoologist or anything, but she still knows. She's like, hey, Jerry yeah. the tiger, like, you're there. I see you, you know. Yeah. Never Amanda, seen that watch, bear before. <laughs> watch how right? our next sentence is going to be like, but the military brainwashed them, and two weeks later, <laughs> she believed that it was actually an No, it was actually... Actually, what's interesting, so this happened probably late February, early March timeframe, right? A few weeks after the original incident. Okay. Within the weeks leading up to this sighting, several of the animals at the zoo had mysteriously died from unknown toxic poisoning. How did they not link it? Not to the front door. The dude and the ant. Because we don't. The dude died like a few weeks later. So this would kind of lead up with that timeframe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they still don't necessarily know. And they're just like, what's going on with our animals? They're starting to move on. They're not thinking about an alien touching them. But (laughs) there are some reports that said as many. With the UFO sighting, why not? (laughs) Because it's weeks later. I've moved on. Nothing's touching me, okay? 
I'm sorry. I'm just imagining this little alien like running loose in the zoo however he wants. And he's just like, oh, lion touch. Oh, bear touch. What does this feel like? <laughs> like a kid in a it's museum like he or was something. eating them or anything, too. The poor little guy was just curious. He just wanted to pet some flamingos. Yeah. I don't know what animals they were, but reports said at least five animals. Oh, dang. He was really on a spree there. Oh, yeah. He was like, look, this one's pretty. <laughs> You know, anyway. I'm honestly imagining him like spending a couple nights there, you know, with the a- with the animals, right? Because I mean, it was a few weeks after, right? So, you know, he spent like a couple weeks, you know, cuddling up next to or a couple days cuddling up to the lion, you know, a couple days cuddling up with the flamingo. Just moving from one Airbnb to the next. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, regardless, this this creature's not ever captured, okay? They just know that the days leading up to the sighting, there were five animals that passed away. Um, that is only a couple reports that specify there are five. There are others just, just say a handful of animals. So it's not it's not very clear there. So those are kind of the series of events, right? That kind of lead up to this this incident. Would you like to hear how the military decides to explain this away? Absolutely. Yes. All right. So the military base that's involved in this incident, it's called ESA. They deny any UFOs or alien creatures. They're like, that's nonsense. Whatever. And I couldn't find an explanation for the crash and their presence in Virginia at 2 a.m. However, they do go on to explain what the doctors and the hospital personnel saw at the hospital. Would you guys want to take a guess at what they tell everyone the doctors were doing? Pigman. No. Oh, okay. That's from Seinfeld. Uh, yeah. Um, well. No, I'm not, I'm not going to guess. I'm probably going to be wildly wrong. I have a legit guess and I really hope I'm wrong. Okay. I'm ready. Were they delivering a baby? Almost. What? Uh, so, according to the Brazilian military personnel, the creatures at the hospital that these people, everyone's like, what the hell are we working on? Was actually a couple that just suffered from dwarfism. And <gasps> the couple was actually expecting a baby. And so they were, that's why they were at the hospital. Get out. Yeah, me too. What? Wait, what? Yeah, so that's what they're, like, the, there was no alien. That was a couple with dwarfism. Are you freaking kidding me? That is so insulting on so many different levels. I know. I'm sorry. Now, a lot of people are like, well, why was the military even in the area then? Like, you're not going to, the military is not going to be there for a, a couple that suffers from dwarfism to deliver a baby. Like, the military doesn't care. I'm sorry. Fair. Well, when they're like, well, why are you there? According to the military, it's just all a series of unfortunate coincidences. They claim that the morning of the incident, they're like, there's a lot of strong rain and wind in this area, and we had to send some of our trucks away for maintenance because it had to be done while the trucks were still under guarantee. And so we we had to send them during these like really bad storms and stuff, and just all the sorts of things happen. And so they actually sent two of these trucks to Virginia, and the couple with dwarfism just happened to be at the hospital at the same time as the trucks getting through the area. That's their explanation. Well, how do you explain the UFO? They didn't. I don't know. So they've seriously just hit us with the, your car's extended warranty is expiring? hmm Their truck's extended warranty was expiring. They're the OG for it. Are they even trying to come up with an excuse? <laughs> oh, it gets better. It gets better. So they're doing a great job right now explaining everything away, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're doing a job. All right. Now what about those three girls that saw something? And I mean, their reports went everywhere. Would you guys like to take a guess at what they say the girls saw? A man dressed up in a suit. Please don't tell me it's a little person. 
Okay, well, according to um, military personnel, and just as a note, this explanation was released in 2010 after an inquiry was completed by the military. But according to them, a homeless man named uh, nicknamed Mudino, he was covered in mud. He was obviously homeless, right? He was possibly mentally unstable. He was described as disfigured. And of course, he suffers from dwarfism as well. And that's what they saw. They did not see an alien. They just saw Mudino. What did did Mudino do to anybody? I don't know. Is this homeless man actually a person? Yeah, it's like a known person in the area. Did he later deny this fact that it was him? Or did Um, he have no idea? I couldn't find anything, but the people of the area knew what he looked like. They would have recognized him had he been sitting crouched in the mud. They wouldn't have described a devil alien creature. Yeah, I mean, unless he had mud, like, literally all over. And the reddish eyes. Red eyes. It's those eyes that get me. Yeah, yeah. But also, you've got the feet, how they describe their feet. It's not a normal foot. Yes. Okay, but given he could have worn, like, a weird costume or... I I don't know. I don't know. It's 1996. He's not in cosplay. I'm so upset that the (laughs) government cannot think of a better lie right now. (laughs) They're just being lazy and offensive. What do you want me to say? Literally anything better. Yeah, it is pretty offensive what they're saying. I mean... To so many different groups of people. I'm sorry, I am... I'm not in control of what the government claims, okay? I'm just telling you what they said. And as of this day, the Virginia incident is still a mystery. Many witnesses... uh, Yeah, I wonder why, right? (laughs) Many witnesses claim to have seen UFOs and or aliens, but the military insists that people just misidentified several people with dwarfism. Uh, The Brazilian government officials still deny the conspiracy theorist claims that there are living evidence of extraterrestrial creatures. Again, according to some... U.S. military is actually the one that would remove the creatures from Brazil. Uh, Roger Lear was a UFOologist and a podiatric surgeon, um, and he would actually go on to write a book called UFO Crash in Brazil. In this book, he claimed to have interviewed multiple witnesses that came into contact or saw the crash or the aliens. I did not have time to read this book simply because I went shopping with my mom today instead. Sorry. In 2022... One witness, the very first one, Carlos, gosh, Carlos, why can't I remember your last name now? Carlos de Souza. He comes forward again and he and some filmmakers actually return to the crash site while they're creating a documentary about the incident. Uh, The article I read was dated 10-28-2022. And from what I could find, if I found the right one, the documentary is called Moment of Contact. I did start watching it, but I didn't get a chance to finish it only because I turned it on thinking it'd be background noise and found out very quickly I actually had to read the screen since the witnesses speak Portuguese and I don't. So I wasn't able to finish it. And according to the filmmakers, there would be evidence, video evidence of these aliens from 1996. Never got to that part of the movie, nor did I see anything else video wise about it. Now, with the media attention on Virginia after this alien incident, I mean, Virginia takes advantage of it. They're like, you know what? Let's just lean into it. We're already getting international attention because of it. And they start selling gray alien dolls with football uniforms. They build bus stops in the form of spaceships. Did you say gray alien dolls? Yeah. I thought they were brown. Yeah. They can put it whatever color they want. It's just an alien. Well, get your stuff together. Is it an alien? Is it a person? Is it gray? Is it brown? Is it Mudino? What is it? What is it? Does he have a home? Does he not? 
Yeah, literally. Well, uh, they build, so they do build bus stops in the form of spaceships. <laughs> they erect a flying saucer-shaped water tank in the town center. And they also have statues of the creatures in town, which in 2020-2021, a mask was added to the alien statue because of COVID. I love it. Yeah. There are a ton of UFO researchers that have looked into the, this case, but there's nothing concrete. So we're still looking at a lot of this back and forth between witnesses and military officials and their comments. And that is the Virginia incident. Man, I am just blown away by these pictures. I'm sorry. I'm just like, the fact that they would, guys, y'all have to look at these pictures because this looks nothing like any sort of human that I've ever seen, at least. I mean, at least, okay, okay. You said that one of them said that, or some of the hospital staff said that it was humans with like genetic testing done on them. That would make more sense than dwarves. I it, it. Okay, so the one that is where it looks like the alien is kind of in front of a brick wall and there's some weeds coming up and they're huddled over, that is the rendition that was created from the three girls' statement. I don't like it. Not even the face shape or like the head shape is any sort of head shape that I've seen from a person before. I, <sighs> that's crazy. I'm just here to report on it. I'm not here to give it an opinion, even though I very clearly think this happened. Duh. Oh, yeah, for sure. A thousand percent. I just want to know who was in that military board meeting and was like, this is what we'll tell them. <laughs> Here's my thing. Is this would be less believable had the government come up with better excuses. Yes, exactly. That that leads to the credibility. It's almost yeah. like they wanted people to be like, there's no way that's true. This has to be aliens. Well, that's how I'm feeling is there's no way. They didn't even explain the UFO. I mean, what? Not that I could find. It was just a coincidence. They distracted people from the UFO by just blatantly insulting multiple groups of people. I'm willing to bet that their excuse for the UFO was that it was a military training exercise gone wrong. Because that would, that would explain, at least that's how I would explain it for that crash. Maybe not the magic metal, but the crash itself. It sounds like the media cover-up was uh, the military training gone wrong here. Well, yeah, the media cover-up. The media mm-hmm. was essentially saying, yeah, this, this happened, but this yeah. is what the military says. So that's all we can report on. Brie, as a marketing specialist, how do you feel they, they achieved their goal here, one through ten? Uh, are you talking about the military or the media? Yes. Yeah. The military cover up. Oh, terribly. I mean, <laughs> you gotta say something believable, right? I mean. Dwarfism people, like anyone with dwarfism is just not believable. A muddy no. homeless man. You can't believe Baby that? girl, you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I know. I know. But it's not. I mean, as I said, the genetic testing thing would be way more believable and yeah you're right i mean a military experiment gone wrong i mean easy right but eh. we were we just happened to be in the area this ufo just came down and uh yeah the the people are just dwarves they're lucky for us we needed our tires changed so we were already there it's because our extended warranty was going to run out yeah we went to get oil changed and just happened upon a not alien yeah. Right. And those three girls, same thing. They just don't know what they're seeing. Yeah, they see this man every day. They've just never seen him covered in mud. It's very different when he's covered in mud, okay? 
And the man that died, Marco, we don't know what he was doing. That's a him problem. That's insulting to his family, too. I know. So oh, his sister was pissed in the documentary. Shoot this. Oh, yeah, I would be, too. I'm just here telling you that if this is truly a military cover-up, they're doing a terrible job convincing people. Yes. That's the so, tagline of this entire story. Yep. You got to do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, next time, maybe hire us to figure out your um, story. Yeah, that's I, a good idea. Yeah, I think I like we could it. do a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Anybody could do a pretty good job. Oh, yeah, for sure. My one-year-old can say four words and she could do better than this. <laughs> She'd be like, book. Yeah. Duh. Book. And they'd yeah. be like, oh, yeah, you just read that in a book and dreamed it. Yeah. Like, eh. yeah. But what did these three girls see when they were coming home from work? Mama. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah sure. me. I had a bad day, okay? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Sometimes I gotta look a little rough, okay? <laughs> Chill. All right, that is all I've got for the uh, Virginia UFO incident. Do you guys have any more questions, comments, concerns, complaints? Because I'm not listening. No. No. I think I, I think I expressed all my complaints and disdain. Yeah. Tell me okay. about it. <laughs> well, thank you, Bree, for joining today. We're glad you could guest star. We know that real life is really busy, and we know that you're, you're being your marketing manager. You're too good for us. <laughs> Never, never. I miss this so much. I love y'all so much. And thank you so much for telling me these terrible stories. Um, <laughs> I really, I really missed y'all a lot. Thanks for letting me guest star. Well, thank you for joining. Thank you to everyone for listening to Helen Hills podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Helen Hills podcast, Twitter, Helen Hills pod, or Facebook by searching Helen Hills podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen podcast. Hell on Heels podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platform. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create additional content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for our patrons. Uh, if you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.